today to begin a brand new series that I'm simply calling Jonah. In the next four weeks, we're going to go chapter by chapter through this Old Testament book of Jonah. Even the smallest child is probably familiar with this story. Hopefully, uh, I can point out some very practical applications. And actually, I'm very excited because I've already written the first three messages out of four. At least I have the outlines for them. I think there's some really, really good stuff. I think we can look beyond simply Jonah and the whale. And I think there's so many things that we can see that we can, that that will help us and minister to us. So let's, let's get started. Well, first of all, we know that Jonah was a prophet of Israel. And God called this prophet to a very wicked city called Nineveh. And God gave this prophet a very specific assignment. And his assignment was to go to Nineveh and cry out against it. Simply go to Nineveh and call them out for their sins. Go proclaim God's judgment and coming wrath upon them. But there was a problem, and the problem was that God's prophet didn't want to go. Let me know that when God wants to send someone somewhere and that person don't want to go, that's a problem. God's prophet didn't want to go, and at least initially, he didn't go. Let's read about it uh, in Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. The Bible says that the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa. He found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare, and he went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So Jonah disobeys God. He heads in the opposite direction of where God told him to go. He tries to run away from God. I've developed a title for each of the four chapters of Jonah. These titles describe the content of each chapter. My title for chapter one that we're talking about today is His Presumption. Say His Presumption. presumption. See, See, there are at least three presumptions that Jonah made in chapter one. And the first one was that, that his preference was more important than God's plan. Jonah presumed that his preference was more important than God's plan. What is it about us humans? And especially, what is it about us Americans that makes us think that everything ought to be about us? What I want, what I think, how I feel, what I want to do, where I want to go. Jonah presumed that his preference was more important than God's plan. God's plan for Jonah was Nineveh, but Jonah's preference was anywhere besides Nineveh. Why? Well, let me give you three reasons. Number one, he didn't like the people. He didn't want to go to Nineveh because he didn't like the people. See, see, the Assyrians were enemies of Israel. The Israelites literally hated the Assyrians. 
there was much prejudice in the heart of Jonah against these people. Jonah wanted nothing to do with them. Let me ask you this morning, has God ever assigned you to a people you weren't fond of? Maybe through the marriage of a family member. Maybe through your blended family. Maybe through a work situation. Maybe even... Someone who starts coming to your church. Not only did Jonah not like the people, he didn't like the place. He didn't want to go because he didn't like the people and he didn't like the place. This was enemy territory. Has God ever assigned you to a place you didn't like and didn't want to go? I remember many years ago, you've heard me tell it many times, so I'm just going to abbreviate it, but many, many years ago, the Lord laid upon my heart to go to a place I'd never been to in my entire life and began a brand new church from scratch. And I remember as I was contemplating the will of God and contemplating my obedience to the will of God, and I remember taking a trip down there to that particular area, that particular place. My kids were in school, so my wife stayed home with the kids, took care of the kids, and I, I took the first trip all by myself, going to a place where I felt the Lord laid upon my heart. I felt the Lord told me to go. And I remember as I got down there, I was supposed to spend two days down there. I was supposed to scout out the land. I was supposed to find a place for us to live. I was supposed to find us a place to start the church and all the kinds of things I was supposed to do. But I remember as I was driving down there and as, as soon as I got really, really close to that area, I remember calling my wife on the phone and I told my wife, it's ugly down here. <laughs> it's ugly here. And instead of spending two days, I spent two hours. And I hightailed it back to where I was, thinking, that place is not for me. Has God ever called you to a place you didn't like and didn't want to go? I will tell you this. I need to stop and tell you this, that I did eventually go. I did obey God. And I I can also tell you that after I finally got there and after I already got, after God finally got me in place, oh, I can tell you that God pretty much blinded my eyes to the scenery or the lack thereof. And about all I could see was the people. And God gave me a love for that place while I was there, and I spent 12 wonderful, incredible years there. But not only did Jonah not like the people, he didn't not only not like the place, but he didn't like the plan. Jonah didn't like the plan. And listen, it wasn't that Jonah disagreed with the message that God wanted him to deliver. Fact of the matter is, there was nothing that Jonah would like better. There's nothing that Jonah would relish more than to go to pronounce judgment on these people, people that he didn't like. Wouldn't that be awesome if God told you to go tell somebody off that you didn't like? It wasn't that Jonah didn't like the the content of, 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 of the message. 
go spew venom on them and finish your message by saying, nanny, nanny, boo, boo, God's going to get you. The problem Jonah had was not the message. His problem was God's mercy. I said, the the problem Jonah had was not a problem with God's message. The problem was with God's mercy because Jonah knew God. And because he knew God, he knew about God's mercy. And he knew that if he preached to them about coming judgment, he knew that if they repented, he knew that God would forgive them. And he knew that God would call off judgment. And he didn't want, he didn't like those people. He wanted them to be judged. He wanted God to annihilate them. Jonah chapter 4 Jonah chapter 4 and verse number 2 says, so he prayed to the Lord and he said, "Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish because I knew that you are a gracious and you are a merciful God. You are slow to anger. You are abundant in loving kindness. One who relents from doing Harm God, I didn't want to go because I knew that if I went, I knew that if I proclaimed judgment, I knew that if I preached judgment upon these people, they would fall on their face and they would repent. And if they fall, fell on their face and repented, that you would hear their cry and you would, you would forgive them and you would relent from the judgment. Hear me this morning, friends, judgment is coming. Oh, I know we don't like to hear about it today. I know it's not politically correct in the church today. But I'm telling you this morning that judgment is coming. It's coming to every people and it's coming to every nation that habitually practices sin. But to those who repent, to those who repent, they will receive God's mercy. Why? Because God is a merciful God. Now, grace, you hear about it almost every Sunday. Grace is God giving us what we don't deserve. But let me tell you what is equally as wonderful as grace, and that is mercy. Because mercy is God withholding from us the wrath for our sins that we do deserve. And mercy is activated through repentance. This morning, if you are in sin today, I urge you to repent. I urge you to spare yourself God's wrath. If you are in sin, eventually you are going to, you are going to encounter the wrath and the judgment of Almighty God because He's a holy God. But I'm telling you this morning that He's also a merciful God. And if you will repent of your sin today, God will hear your cry and God will forgive you. And He'll spare His wrath in your life. They also urge the church today to repent for the sins of its nation. May the church rise up today and repent for America so America can be spared God's wrath. Oh, I don't agree with the doomsday people. I don't agree with the doomsayers, you know, that say if God doesn't judge America, he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. That's the most ridiculous, most absurd, the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. You couldn't find 10 righteous people in all of Sodom. There's more than 10 righteous, well, I think seven, eight, sitting right here in this Congregation this morning. 
But I do know, I do know the way America is headed. If somebody doesn't repent, America will come under the judgment of God. Hear me this morning, and some people are not going to like this, and that's okay. I'm not in it to be liked. Listen, America's problems don't stem from a political problem. We don't have a political problem in America today. We have a sin problem. I said, we don't have a political problem today. We have a sin problem. Hear me this morning. The agenda of certain political parties is not the real problem. It is merely a symptom. It is merely the result of the real problem. And the real problem is sin. And the reluctance of people to repent of it and abstain from it. Oh, I ask this morning, will somebody in America fall on their face and repent for the horrendous sin of our country? Did you hear me? I said, will somebody in America fall on their face and repent for the horrendous sin of our country? Hear me this morning. Hear me. Stop being so political and start being more prayerful. Get off Facebook and fall on your face. Anybody can be negative on Facebook. Anybody can spew venom on Facebook. I'm telling you, that's not helping anybody. That's not doing any good at all. Amen. We need to get off Facebook and we need to fall on our face and we need to cry out to God and we need to repent for the sins of our nation, for the sins of our country. We're talking about Jonah today, his presumption. The first presumption was that that his preference was more important than God's plan. His second presumption was that he could enjoy peace in the midst of his his disobedience. Look, verse 4 and 5 of chapter 1. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. Then the mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his God and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship, notice, and had lain down and was fast asleep. Jonah presumed that disobeying God was no big deal. Just a small little glitch on his heavenly credit score. Just a little blip. He presumed, he presumed that although God might not exactly be too happy with him right now, that he presumed he could just continue with business as usual. So Jonah boards a ship that was headed in the opposite direction of Nineveh. He goes down into the sleeping quarters of the ship and he proceeds to take a nap thinking all is well. Carnival cruise line sounded a lot more enticing to him than the assignment he had been given by God. Jonah presumed that he could enjoy peace in the midst of his disobedience, but but did he presume correctly? Here's what I know about disobedience. First of all, sometimes God sends us problems to correct us. Verse 4 says that God sent a strong wind or a strong storm out on the sea where Jonah's ship was sailing. Who sent the storm? Did the devil send the storm? Did just Mother Nature? No, it says that God sent the storm. Now, I'm not saying that God sends every storm. 
But according to Scripture, he sends some storms. He sent this particular storm. Why did God send this storm? Well, he sent it to correct Jonah. Here's another purpose for storms, and that is our storms remind us of our priorities. Verse 5 says, the mariners, they began to throw some of the cargo that was in the ship into the sea in order to lighten the ship. The things they thought were so important to them, and they, when, they, when, they, when they were leaving port, and they had, they, they had placed upon, upon in the ship, and they had loaded the ship with, oh, when the storm started blowing, oh, when the wind started blowing and started howling, oh, when their, when, when their boat began to be tossed hither and thither, oh, oh, they began to throw out some of the cargo. They began to lighten the ship. Here's what I know, and that is when the storms of life start blowing on us, oh, we quickly begin to realign our priorities. What we thought was so important to us, oh, what we thought we just had to have and we could not live without, oh, oh, all of a sudden they don't appear nearly as important, oh, oh, we begin to discard all of those things that are unimportant and then we begin to embrace what is really important. I ask you this morning, what is it that you have aboard your ship that needs to be tossed out? What is it that is weighing your ship down this morning? Is it a wrong relationship? Is it an addiction? Is it improper priorities? Another reason why God cannot allow us to enjoy peace in the midst of our disappointment Disobedience is, is because our disobedience produces a domino effect. In verses 4 through 15 of, of this first chapter, we see how Jonah's disobedience affected so many other people. Listen, hear me this morning. God has a plan. Whether we realize it or not, whether we understand it or not, whether we like it or we don't like it, whether we agree with it or we disagree with it, God has a plan. And when we disobey God, we negatively affect his plan. Some of you are wondering why the answers to your prayers have been delayed. Well, listen, the answers to our prayers are often delayed because the person God was going to use to answer our prayer is in disobedience. Instead of going sailing in our direction, they didn't like the assignment, and so they're going in the opposite direction of the assignment they were given to God. Are given by God. And so God has to draw them back into obedience before he can use them to be the answer to our prayer. And I'll tell you this morning, you may also be the answer to somebody else's prayer. God has assigned you to someone. God has assigned you to a position or he's assigned you to a person or to a place. God has given a plan for you, but you didn't like the plan. You didn't like the place. You didn't like the people. For whatever reason, you have decided, I'm going to go in the opposite direction. But those people are depending upon you. You have a message for them. You have a ministry for them. You have something to give them. You have have something they are needing and they are doing without because you are in disobedience. 120,000 people or so lived in Nineveh. All of these people negatively affected through Jonah's disobedience. The people on the ship with Jonah had to endure the storm and had to suffer the loss of all their cargo. It wasn't Jonah's stuff they were throwing over. Oh, I can just do this. Nobody will be affected. It won't bother anybody else but me. Read Jonah. It doesn't work that way. 
Who are you negatively affecting because of your disobedience? Don't presume that living in disobedience is no big deal. Don't presume that you can enjoy peace in the midst of your disobedience. Don't presume that God will just let you go on, do your own thing, and go your own way. Hear me this morning. If God wants you somewhere, he's going to get you there. It might take a ship and a whale and some vomit. God wants to get you somewhere. He's going to get you there. And he'll go to any lengths to do it. Jonah made three presumptions in chapter 1. First of all, he presumed that his, that his preference was more important than God's plan. Number two, he presumed that he could enjoy peace in the midst of his disobedience. And, and the third presumption that Jonah made was, and that is that his past performance disqualified him from future ministry. Jonah presumed that his past performance disqualified him from future ministry. Jonah thought it was all over for him. In verse 12, he told the mariners, he says, pick me up and toss me into the sea. Turn out the lights, the party's over. Sayonara, adios amigos, I'm toast. Stick a fork in me, I'm done. Let me suggest what Jonah's biggest problem was at this particular time. That was Jonah didn't believe his own preaching. Jonah didn't believe his own preaching about God's mercy. Chapter 4 and verse number 2 tells us the real reason why Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. He knew that if he preached judgment to them, he knew that they would possibly repent. And he knew that if, he would, if they would repent, that God, God would, would, would give them mercy and that God would not pour out his wrath on them. I say this morning, if God would be merciful to the Ninevites, why wouldn't God be merciful to Jonah? For his rebellion, for his disobedience, for his failure. I don't know who it is this morning, but somebody here today thinks your past disqualifies you from a productive future. Not so. Hear me this morning, God is the God of a second chance, but not only is he the God of a second chance, but he's the God of a third chance and a fourth and a fifth and a sixth. In fact, Proverbs 24 and 16 says, though the righteous fall seven times, they will rise again. I ask you this morning, why do we have so much mercy and grace for everybody else but little for ourselves? There have been times when I did things I didn't think I should have done and I felt bad about it. I felt I had a little, had a little guilt about it and I felt really bad about it. And more than once, I don't know if it was the Holy Spirit or just me, but I said to myself, or somebody said to me, well, if that was somebody else, what would you tell them? If they were sitting in front of your desk and they told you this is what they did, what would you tell them? You'd tell them, hey, you know what? Nobody bats a thousand. You'd tell them, you know what? Not a, you know, we don't get everything right. You'd tell them, you know what? You know what? Yeah, you shouldn't have done that. Yeah, you know, maybe it's okay for you to feel bad about that for about 30 seconds. But listen, just repent of that. And if you'll repent of that, God will forgive you and just keep on going. And there's been more than one time I've had to put myself literally in front of my desk and tell myself that. Hey, Benson, nobody bats a thousand. Nobody gets it right every single time. Nobody's right in every area. Just repent and keep on going. Here's what I know this morning. That is God uses our past failures to prepare us for future victory. 
Verse 17, the Bible says the Lord prepared. He what? The Lord prepared a great fish. That fish wasn't just there. God prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. See, God was not through with Jonah even though he had failed him. God would use Jonah's past failure to prepare him for his future. Romans 8 and 28, one of my life verses says that God causes all things. How many things? God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him, to those that are called in accordance to his will. Here's what I know, and that is God doesn't waste anything. He doesn't waste anything. What you're going through right now has a divine purpose. It is part of the process of God preparing you for what he has already planned for you in the future. Don't allow Satan to paralyze you through false presumptions. Let's look at chapter 3 and verses 1 through 3. The Bible says the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Aren't you glad God's the God of a second chance? The word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose. He went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Hear me this morning. God's not through with you. He's not through with me. God is not through with us. Oh, oh we, may, we may make a wrong turn here and there. We may find ourselves on a detour. But hear me this morning. God will eventually get us back on the right road. And he will eventually get us to the place that he has specifically called us to. I get some help on the platform this morning. The takeaway for the message this morning is this. God always has a plan. God always has a plan. We won't always like God's plan. I haven't liked every plan God had for me. I haven't liked every place God sent me, not initially. God always has a plan. We we won't always like God's plan. God will find a way to fulfill his plan. Whatever it takes, God will fulfill his plan. I don't know what you've done. I don't know what you've not done. But I'm going to tell you something. You've not done anything too bad or you've not undone or not done things that you should have done to the point that God can't still use you. God can still fulfill his plan. Here's what I know. That is, it's easier on us when we yield to his plan. God says, Nineveh, it's going to be Nineveh. Don't go by way of Tarshish. Don't go by way of whale and vomit. <laughs> Don't go by way of, of storm. God says, Nineveh, just say, yes, sir. I don't like the people. I don't like the place. I don't like the plan. <laughs> but yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. Here's what I've discovered in my own life. I don't know if it's a thousand or a hundred percent, but I've found in my my, my life, even though I didn't like the the people, the place, or the plan before it was all over with, I like the people, I like the place, and I like the plan. See, God knows us a whole lot better than we know ourselves. See, if I went where I wanted to be, I wouldn't be in Arlington, Texas right now, 16 years ago. 
There's about three other places that I would have rather been because the situation was a whole lot better. And I'd already been there, done that, bought the T-shirt, didn't want to do it again. I want to tell you, I love the people, I like the place, and I like the plan a whole lot better than any of those other three places. And I thank God nearly daily. God, thank you. Thank you for your plan for my life. He's got a plan for your life too. I don't know where you're at in that plan. Maybe you're in the belly of the fish. Maybe you're in the storm. I don't know. Maybe you're just about to buy your ticket to go in the opposite direction. Hey, there's still time for you. Don't buy the ticket. Turn around and go where you're supposed to go. Father, I just pray today that you'll take this word this morning. God, I pray you'll help us today. Oh, God, just simply to be in obedience to you. Knowing that your ways are not our ways, your thoughts are not our thoughts, as high as the heavens are from the earth, that's how far removed we are. But God, your ways are right, and your plan is right, and your thoughts are right. You know what you're doing.